Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to a new episode of Germany in Focus, a news podcast made possible by members of The Local. Today, we're going to talk about the strikes and protests that are hitting Germany right now. We're getting into what the government's 2024 budget decisions mean for your wallet. And it's a big year for elections and politics in Germany. We'll talk about the drama facing the coalition government and hear from a German politics expert. Readers of The Local have been sharing with us what they are excited about in Germany in 2024 and what they're stressed about. So we'll listen to some of that. Lastly, we're going to talk about what we are personally looking forward to in Germany this year. I'm Rachel Oxen and I'm in Berlin today with the local Germany editor Rachel Stern and journalist Imogen Goodman. Hey, Happy New Year to you both. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Rach. How were the last weeks for you? Yeah, good. I mean, it, it all feels like it's gone very fast. The lead up to Christmas was kind of big and then I was home for a really whirlwind trip in the um, to the West Country, back in time for New Year. I did survive New Year. Um, we actually <laughs> went out to the uh, to the Flakturm and Humboldt Hines. So that's, if people don't know, one of these above ground bunkers that they have. Uh, so very romantic setting. Oh yeah, um, I was taking on a date there one. Yes. Wow. Well, they, <laughs> Germany is a very romantic country, clearly. But it was quite nice, actually, because you've got these kind of little pits in the middle of the top of this Flachturm. People were letting off fireworks on the Flachturm itself, but also all around the city. So we went there for about an hour just to kind of see it all and then rushed back to the uh, safety of my house and had a little <laughs> house party. So that was really great. Sounds typically dangerous, but nice. <laughs> yes. Very fun. So for the past few weeks, I was away uh, mostly in California and then for New Year's Eve in Seattle. And that was a little bit of a culture shock because, you know, in Berlin, it's like a war zone with explosions everywhere. And um, I was out on the street close to midnight and it was complete uh, radio silence until the official fireworks show started. And, you know, afterwards, I couldn't hear anything um, afterwards being by 1 a.m. So it was definitely a unique uh, cultural experience to be over there. Yeah, it sounds very quiet. I had a very traditional German Christmas and New Year, guys. So I celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve, like when the Germans do it on the 24th, actually with Aaron Burnett, who's usually here in his family. And then on the 25th, I had just a nice chill time with my friend. We got a takeaway. And then we also saw the fireworks in Berlin, which I am deadly scared of. <laughs> <laughs> you never quite get used to it, do you? I mean, is there ever a time when you're just like, yeah, someone's firing a rocket? at me it's fine yeah. I don't think that'll ever happen um, but you do I suppose you do learn to kind of stay indoors at certain times unless you're me <laughs> you <laughs> exactly. like to live dangerously <laughs> 
Okay, let's get straight into the news. So we've just arrived into January and we're already experiencing strikes and major protests involving farmers and their tractors. So let's start with the latest train drivers union industrial action. This week, it's been three days of strikes. We're recording this on Wednesday and they started on this day. Rachel, what has been going on and who's affected? So, Rach, the GDL union called for three days of strikes, which started at 2 a.m. on Wednesday and are stretching um, until Friday evening at 6 p.m. And basically their demands for better pay and working conditions hadn't been met. They've been calling for these better pay and working conditions for quite a while. And so they decided to um, have all... Deutsche Bahn trains, meaning long distance and regional trains, but also the S-Bahn go on strike. And so there are some emergency services which are being operated, but as a whole, probably about 80 to 90 percent of trains in most cities have come to a complete standstill. Okay, so this latest round of strike action is ending on Friday evening, as you said. Can we expect more train strikes in the coming weeks? So as of the time of this recording on Wednesday, the chief of the GDL, Klaus Wesselski, has said that there could be additional strikes if the Deutsche Bahn doesn't give a better offer by Friday. And so for several months, as I mentioned, the union has been fighting for better conditions for its 10,000 members, um, basically arguing that its employees are overworked and dealing with rising costs due to inflation. Inflation and among their demands um, is a reduction in the week for shift workers from 38 to 35 hours with full wage compensation. And Deutsche Bahn has said, yeah, that's fine if you want to reduce your hours, but correspondingly, you're also going to be reducing your pay. And so the union leader called it a provocation and said that it's absolutely not enough and that if Deutsche Bahn doesn't up its offer and also increase its pay, that it will basically call for more strikes after a brief pause. Okay. And I think the the union boss, he had said that they are willing to come to compromise on that. But I think he said, yeah, this isn't enough. So Deutsche Bahn said last month that it made an offer of 11 percent wage increase going into the talks, um, as well as an inflation bonus. But the union leader has rejected that and basically said that it's still not enough and that they're calling for both higher pay and also a reduction in in working hours to go hand in hand. We will include any updates to this story if anything happens before then and all the latest stories we have on this. The other major protests this week involve farmers. Across Germany, farmers use tractors to blockade roads on Monday. And there are some other smaller scale protests going on. And another big demo is scheduled for Friday in Berlin. Imogen, why are farmers going rogue? Well, on the face of it, this is all to do with the government's austerity measures and particularly two subsidies uh, that affect the agricultural sector. Uh, So one of these is a subsidy on diesel for farming businesses and another is for buying uh, forestry and farming equipment. So they basically get tax breaks on those. Both subsidies add up to around 1 billion euros a year in savings. 
But the general consensus is that these cuts, although they could be quite painful for some farmers, they would not be life-threatening. I think the anger that we're seeing at these protests really speaks to the fact that this all goes back much further than the latest austerity measures and it's also it also goes much deeper. So you've had years, in fact decades, of, of discontent in the agricultural industry, a feeling that it's becoming as a business less and less sustainable, both economically and ecologically. So at the moment, as you can imagine, farmers of all varieties, it's a hugely diverse industry, are constantly having to deal with new regulations. There have been new restrictions when it comes to um, animal handling, animal welfare, things like uh, bee killing pesticides and the kind of methods you can use for farming. Although these are absolutely justified, I think most people would agree, um, what it has meant is that farming as a business has become increasingly expensive, increasingly hard work, and that the consumer uh, end of this aren't quite willing to, to pay the extra money to really compensate for these new ethical standards. Aside from that, you basically have a situation where these farmers are really at the at the mercy of global markets. There's huge competitions. And this has all over the years created a situation where in the EU, at least, uh, farmers are almost 100% reliant on subsidies. Uh, you can see that in the fact that the number of farms in Germany has actually halved over the past 25 years. And there's also been this massive consolidation in the industry. So you've got small independent farmers being replaced by big corporations who can better weather these storms. So Long story short, these subsidy cuts were the latest kick in the teeth, in the teeth I think, um, mm-hmm. for an industry that was already feeling neglected and just not listened to. Okay, so they're really unhappy. What kind of disruption is it causing in Germany right now? Oh, well, as we've mentioned, the major form these protests are taking are these big tractor blockades and city streets and in motorways um, around the country. So earlier this week, actually on Monday, you had 2,000 tractors who descended on the major cities like Berlin, Hamburg, Cologne. Um, they also blocked access ramps for the Autobahn, which, as you can imagine, caused pretty significant travel disruption. Yeah, hard to ignore. Absolutely. I know. I actually saw a tractor driving down the street near me and it's it's pretty terrifying to see you drive across the road in your local neighbourhood. So very eye-catching, very headline-grabbing. Um, but as on, alongside these big uh, sort of tractor protests, there have been smaller demos and vigils, including um, a tugboat rally in Bad Hersfeld in uh, Hesse and another on the outskirts of Berlin. That said, it really hasn't all been this civil and calm. And there are actually big fears that the far right and extremist groups have now hijacked these democratic protests and are really abusing them for their own ends. So we've seen quite problematic symbolism, nationalist symbolism and very violent symbolism. You may well have heard or seen pictures of these gallows that have been sort of erected at the sides of roads or hung from tractors. Um, some of these kind of hang figures have been painted in the colours representing the parties of the traffic light coalition, green, yellow and red. So this could be seen as like inciting violence Mm. against politicians. And it does go further in terms of uh, maybe crossing that line between the kind of 
public and the private sphere when it comes to harassing politicians. We've seen manure being dumped outside of parliamentarians' offices, um, even in the street outside their private homes. And we also quite recently saw 150 farmers try to storm a ferry um, that actually Economics Minister Robert Habeck was on. So he's a Green Party politician. Um, He was on his way back from holiday on the island of Huga and North Friesland and was actually unable to leave the ferry with his wife um, because of these furious farmers um, who were kind of blocking the ferry port. So, as I say, there are the mainstream elements of this. There also appear to be quite radicalised elements of this um, who are really jumping on the bandwagon of the discontent with the government, of the discontent with things like climate policies. The head of the Farmers Association has tried to distance themselves from these fringe elements. But at the same time, there is really a worry that this is spilling over into something bigger. The government has actually rolled back at least partly some of the planned agricultural cuts uh, that you were talking about. Do we expect the government to make further concessions for this group? And if not, do the protests keep going? Yeah, well, I I mean, I think the Traffic Light Coalition are facing a really big dilemma here. Uh, So either they look like they are the coalition of chaos that continually bow to public pressure and whoever shouts the loudest, or they face weeks of street blockades, bad headlines, and generally go up against this very powerful farmers' lobby. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say there were quite a few reasons that mean that the coalition is just not going to be able to sit this one out. The first and most obvious is perhaps just how much uh, disruption these tractors can cause and how many eye-catching pictures that, that then get sort of plastered all over the media. It's worth mentioning as well uh, that this is a hugely powerful industry. There are about a million employees working in this industry. They produce around 50 billion euros a year uh, to the economy, not to mention their role in feeding the population. Mm -hmm. Then there's the fact that this lobbying machine is very slick, very well oiled. They have a really historic link to the CDU and CSU parties. So they also just have this great sort of parliamentary lobbying machine um, alongside these eye-catching protests. And finally, they appear to have the public on their side. Uh, So there was a recent force of poll conducted by uh, the magazine Stern uh, that found that 80% of the population support the farmers. And that's a a huge contrast to um, that other group that's been blocking the roads, uh, the climate protesters. So there's quite a big uh, and an interesting kind of uh, contrast there. But that all, to sum it up, makes it pretty likely that we are going to see more concessions potentially complete U-turn on the planned subsidy cuts in the coming weeks. Yeah, it actually reminded me when you were talking, Imogen, I saw a sign on the way here outside a bakery that said like, no farmers, no bakeries. Yes, <laughs> yes. So they, they were obviously supporting them. Absolutely. Hospitality, industry, gastronomy, um, logistics, all of these sort of everyone in the food industry, I think, is definitely on board with this. So you've got this kind of yeah, this this kind of alliance between various industries all go- coming together to add weight to the farmers' voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw a few signs saying "No farmers, no beer," and that was really speaking to the heart of the German population. Oh, wow. I think. Okay, well now it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> I was on the fence before. <laughs> no beer. Uh, Guys, I believe there are a few more strikes to look out for that could affect life in Germany. Right. 
That is right. Yeah. So there are several ongoing strikes which were taking place late last year and are stretching into the new one as well. There are a lot of KEDA carers who, and KEDA is basically the nursery or daycare centers, and they're saying that the pay is absolutely not high enough. So um, a lot of parents are pretty frustrated because their KEDAs continue to close um, week in and week out. So that's something to look out for in the coming year. Um, And then also, There are a lot of doctors' practices which have been closing in recent months as medical associations demand more financial support from the government. As we mentioned with those eye-catching signs, in the food and hospitality industry and in the logistics industry, so lorry drivers, um, we are seeing kind of protests associated with the farmers' protests under the slogan, no food without us. So we can expect to see some disruption here as well. Um, Of course, in the hospitality industry, they have just seen their taxes go up um, Mm -hmm. from 7% VAT. There was a kind of brief measure during uh, Corona back up to 19%. Um, So that's a big hit for them. They're also very discontent. And there are plenty of industries also unhappy about this massive worker shortage, I think, including the Keters. So so that's definitely something that could spread. Thank you so much, guys. Really great updates on that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Before we carry on with our chat, I'd like to ask you to hit follow, leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find us. So it's really helpful and much appreciated. And if you do want to support this podcast and our work, you can become a member of The Local. You can find a link to a special offer for podcast listeners in the show notes, or you can access it directly at thelocal.de forward slash podcast offer. Let's move on to the latest news in the ongoing budget crisis and how it affects people. To sum things up quickly, a constitutional court ruling last year said that using loans meant only for the COVID pandemic was unlawful. And this created a massive mess for various budgets, plus a 17 billion funding gap for 2024. So the government has been putting together some painful savings plans, austerity measures, which is partly why the agricultural industry is up in arms as we've been hearing. So this week, final budgets were agreed by the cabinet and it will go to the Bundestag. Rachel, how is the government making cuts in 2024? 
So, Rach, 2024 is going to see the return of the controversial debt break, and that basically means that all borrowing will be capped at just 0.35% of the GDP, and this is a big contrast to other years um, during corona times. The debt break pretty much went out the window, and now Germany is trying to make up for that with introducing some pretty hefty cuts, especially in the area of climate protection, but also a lot of social services um, are seeing cuts as well. And Germany is also trying to raise money through taxes. So there's going to be a tax on CO2 emissions, which is currently set at 30 euros per ton. And from January, that has been going up to a rate of 45 euros per ton. So for the CO2 emissions, it might not sound that dramatic, but actually that's being added to all products that include CO2 in its production, whether it's when you're purchasing meat or something that's made with plastic. So that is a tax that a lot of consumers are going to feel. So a pretty sizable increase there. And then there are a lot of um, personal cuts that people will feel. So the labor minister did have his way and Burger uh, Geld or basically unemployment payments are going to increase as planned. But Germany is getting a little bit stricter for jobs seekers. So if they're deemed not to be looking hard enough to find work or seem uncooperative, they're going to face higher sanctions from the job center um, and then financial bonuses for people who undertake further training, um, which was a big part of the Bürgergeld program, are going to be completely scrapped. And another big, big change is that Eltengeld, which was previously available to anybody earning under 300,000 um, per year, it's now quote-unquote, only going to be available to couples um, with a household income after taxes of 175,000, and that's eventually going to go up to 200,000. And Germany is also um, increasing the so-called Luftverkehrs Abgaba or the Aviation Taxation and Subsidies Air Traffic Tax, which means flights are set to become a lot pricier this year. Can you tell us more about that? So not surprisingly, there was a lot of pushback from the aviation industry about any sort of increase. But on Monday, it was announced that the Ticket Steuer or the ticket tax is going to be going up after May of this year. And basically, this was included in the final budget financing act. Um, and it just needs to be signed off by the German parliament before it's made official. And basically, the finance ministry has stipulated that the ticket tax um, is going to be raised to between 1553 euros and 7083 euros depending on how long your flight is. So basically, if you're listening at home, buy your ticket, your flight tickets before May mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to save money uh, because it will become more expensive because it all adds up, doesn't it? It really does. Let's talk about politics now because obviously everything we've been getting into today is connected with the political landscape in Germany. There's a lot of pressure on the coalition government. So that is made up of the Social Democrats, the Greens and the Free Democrats. So let's 
talk about the drama that we expect this year. We'll hear from a political scientist soon. But first, Imogen, can you tell us about some of the key elections to look out for this year and how things stand with the polls in general? Absolutely. So we're not going to have federal elections this year. That's the big one. Uh, Those are still scheduled for next year. But regardless of that, there are going to be plenty of opportunities for people to express their views and plenty of opportunities for the German political landscape to get a little bit shaken up. So the main ones domestically are the big three state elections. um, And those are all happening in eastern states. Uh, So in September, Saxony and Brandenburg are going to the polls. And at some point in the year, we don't know exactly when, Thuringia will also be going to the polls. We also actually have the European, so the EU parliamentary elections and the local elections on June 9th. Uh, These are ones that anyone with an EU passport can take part in. Um, And that's yet another opportunity for voters to potentially express their discontent uh, before the federal elections next year. Why do I say express discontent? Well, the poll figures for the coalition parties are just dire at the moment. They have been for some time. At the moment, it just looks like we're seeing a complete collapse of support for all of the governing parties. The latest survey um, actually had Olaf Scholz's Social Democrats or SPD are formerly one of the two big parties on just 15%, uh, which was followed by the Greens on 13% and the Free Democrats or FDP on just 6%. So barely above the threshold they need to actually be in Mm, the German Bundestag. The 5% threshold. Exactly. Just to add a little bit of context to this, uh, the SPD got around 26% of the vote in 2021 at the last federal elections. So they've just hemorrhaged support since then um, and have slid about 11 points in the polls. On the other side of the political spectrum, you've really seen this surge in support for both right-wing and far-right parties. So the CDU and CSU are currently on a very comfortable 30%, and they have been for some time. And the far-right AfD actually are second in the polls at the moment with 22%, which is really unprecedented. Mm-hmm. So against this backdrop, the AfD are expecting to do very, very well in the upcoming state elections. Bear in mind, I've said that these are in eastern states, which are really the heartlands for this um, anti-migrant party. Uh, There's even some talk of potentially seeing the first ever AfD state premier um, in either Brandenburg, Thuringia or Saxony, which would really be quite quite a scary moment in German politics, I think, for for many of us um, and particularly the foreign population. Let's hear now from Florian Hartlieb, a German political scientist and the research director for the European Institute for Counterterrorism based in Vienna. We spoke to Florian in February last year about a decade of alternative for Germany. Uh, So you should definitely go back and listen to that. Today, I started off by asking him what challenges the coalition government is facing. The chancellor is not showing real leadership. He's not very popular, Olaf Scholz. And there are big challenges in this case. There's a protest wave at the moment with the farmers and there's a rise of the radical right of the AfD. And there's a lot of dissatisfaction. For example, the head of the CSU, Bavarian Prime Minister Markus Söder, is pushing forward that there will be new elections. But what will be the result out of that? The AfD is stronger and stronger. We are in the light of the European elections. We are in the light of the elections in decisive Eastern European countries. and 
what's the alternative? What's the plan? And there is no plan. There is no a new coalition. Uh, Social Democrats are declining. The Greens are declining. And the Liberals are all the three coalition partners. And the AfD is rising. So there is no plan B at the moment. Do you think it would make a difference if Olaf Scholz stepped up as a leader and kind of really stood out and took a better hold of the situation? Do you think that would make a difference for the coalition? Yeah, this would make a huge difference because he's a very weak leader. And there's also one alternative within the Social Democrats with um, Boris Pistorius, a, a defense minister. And I think Olaf Scholz needs to step down as soon as possible because he cannot offer any alternative, any strategy, any plan, also due to his personality. And this is weakening the coalition, this is weakening the German political system, and it's bringing in this new times of uncertainty in Germany, which I have never observed uh, in the last 20 years. You mentioned, Florian, that we do have the European elections coming up in June this year, which all EU citizens in Germany can vote in. Who do you think could be the big winners in, in these elections? First of all, the European elections are second-order elections. They have not such a high impact. So the uh, elections in the eastern German countries are much more important. But at the moment, the winners are the opposition parties. So first of all, CDU, CSU, also, of course, the AfD, the radical right party, plus maybe even the free voters. And we don't know what's going on with this new project of Sarah Wagenknecht uh, uh, as a, a counter-project to the um, post-communist party they left. So this is a big state election year for Saxony, Thuringia and Brandenburg who are voting in September. So at the moment, the far-right alternative for Germany or AfD are soaring high in the polls. What would happen if they win there? Uh, nothing on the government side because the party will still be excluded. But all these attempts now to say, okay, we will forbid this party will fail. It's uh, up to the Constitutional Court, to the Bundesverfassungsgericht. We have very bad um, experiences in this context, but um, the AfD will be excluded for sure. If they're getting 30, 35, even 40 percent, the AfD is regarded as persona non grata. And another problem is that the AfD is quite radical in Thuringia with Bern Höcke, who is representing the wing. And the AfD is regarded as uh, being right-wing extremists. The AfD is also quite radical in Saxony with a, a Spitzenkandidat now for the European elections, Maximilian Graa, who is also following uh, pro-Russian views. So there's a no-go to deal with the AfD on the party politics level. Do you think this could ever change in future, that parties at a state level or even at a federal level could cooperate with the AfD? No, yeah, there will be new coalitions, maybe with the post-communists, but uh, the left decline. There's also the clashes now with the new foundation of Sarah Wagenknecht. So the situation is very complicated, but I think the AfD will be regarded as a no-go uh, in difference to other European countries in Germany because of the past and because of also the political correctness and also the pro-European stance. And I think it won't change. And the question is, how stable is um, AfD uh, inside. There were a lot of attempts against the AfD. The AfD also has some radical right-wing extremist parts within. Espen Höcke is representing, like within, like representing 40-50% of the party's view. The AfD got more and more radicalized, but Germany is getting more and more instable. And we are far away now from the good old times, from the old German Republic, from the Bonn Republic. We are far away from stable 
um, coalitions. And the question is now if the center right, CDU, CSU, with Friedrich Merz, with Wüst, or with uh, Markus Söder, can change the situation. And they basically could bring them in because this current government has no future anyway. Now we have the new uh, protest culture with the farmers and many other parts of the society. We have the economic decline in Germany. So the problems are very huge, unfortunately. Despite the fact we're clearly in the winter of discontent, complete with arschkalt weather, 2024 is actually a pretty cool year in some respects for foreigners in Germany because it's opening up the prospect of dual citizenship. The German naturalization law is being relaxed. It's going to go through the Bundestag sometime soon. We'll talk more about that in detail in future. But today, let's hear what the readers of The Local have to say about this and their predictions for 2024. So Imogen, let's start with the positives. What are foreigners in Germany predicting some progress in this year? Yes, yes, there are positives. There are, Please. I promise. There's there's silver lining to every dark cloud. And of course, you've mentioned it, the citizenship law is one of them. Uh, so at the moment, and don't hold me to this, we are expecting this to go to a vote roughly around the 1st of February. If not then, then around three weeks later on the 22nd or 23rd. Uh, we have heard that they do want to rush this through. There are a few recesses coming up, but those could be the weeks to look out for. Um, so that will, of course, will mark the end of this uh, really long wait to see things like dual nationality and shorter waiting times for naturalization. So our readers were obviously very excited about that. On the immigration front, we also had um, a lot of excitement about some of the new changes um, that are coming in on the back of the skilled worker immigration law this year, things like the points-based uh, job seekers visas. And a lot of people kind of really felt that this could, uh, could bring more people into the country, help solve those worker shortages and just boost the economy and maybe even create more jobs in the future. I have to say, compared to us, uh, our slightly negative view in this podcast booth. Our readers were surprisingly optimistic on the subject of digitalization. Um, so actually, a lot of people really said that they felt that progress would be made on this front this year. And actually, I do have to say, we have seen some baby steps. We've seen the e-prescriptions. We've seen digital, more digital healthcare services. We've seen a more digitalization in, in immigration and the online citizenship applications in Berlin. So maybe the optimists are right on this one. Let's let's wait and see. And, you know, we've also seen more and more places wanting to accept card and not cash, which is quite a contrast from when I first came to Berlin over a decade ago. And I had really a shock yesterday when I went into a spiti and they told me that I could only pay with card instead of cash. Wow. Unbelievable. That's progress. That <laughs> happened to me at a restaurant in Pankow as well. So the tide is changing bit by bit. Okay, guys. Could be digitalization. It yes. could actually be <laughs> happening going into the future. So on the other side of it, what are our readers worried about? Well, I think two things really, really stood out on this front. The rise of the far right and kind of general tendencies in global politics and, of course, the economy. Um, and these things, I think people felt really fed into one another. 
So I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling a bit hammered by high inflation and the general economic downturn lately. And that's definitely a concern for people going into this year. Um, Our readers in particular said that they really felt um, housing would continue to be unaffordable, that it would get more expensive this year, whether that was higher rents or higher interest rates that make it harder to get on the housing ladder. And sadly, a lot of our largely foreign readers thought attitudes to migration could get even more toxic this year amid this general sort of economic backdrop and that Germany could be really badly affected by international events like the Ukraine war, the Israel-Gaza war and the potential election of Donald Trump in America. So those are all quite scary things to think about, but hopefully things will improve. (laughs) Thanks very much for that, Imogen. And we will include the link to this story on this so you can read more about what the local readers think. Okay, we're almost at the end of our episode today, our first of the year. I want to ask you both, what are you looking forward to in 2024? And do you have any resolutions? So, Rach, I'm looking forward to using my 49 euro ticket more, which um, is luckily still the 49 euro ticket, despite costs going up in every other aspect of life. Phew. There are so many, exactly, huge relief. There are so many great regional trips to take, as we've written about in the local. And so every weekend, I'm vowing to go somewhere new with my family or friends and check out more of this country. Definitely. That's very similar to mine. I I think I feel like I've said this last year as well and didn't stick to it. No one listened back to that episode because that'd be embarrassing. But my resolution and just a general aim is to shake up things a bit in my life and get out of this rut and this routine that I have of kind of sticking my bubble, try and travel more, even if it's just going to the mountains when it's snowy in winter. I'd love to get out to Fichtelberg in in Saxony um, this year and really just um, get out of my comfort zone a bit to to take advantage of what Germany has to offer. Yeah, really nice. Uh, I think I quite want to get out of Germany this year. I (laughs) I mean, at least for a holiday, because I have spent, yeah, like I said, I spent Christmas and New Year here. So I'm looking forward to getting back to Scotland at some point. And I definitely, same as you guys, I definitely want to travel more, but I don't have any New Year's resolutions. I just want to like survive the year, basically. (laughs) I hear you. Yeah, I think it's safer that way. Yeah, we set the bar low. We can't be too disappointed, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, but hopefully we'll have lots of fun times in the podcast booth this year. Definitely. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you so much to all our listeners. And as always, we will add the links in the show notes for the stories we've been talking about today. This week's panelists have been Imogen Goodman and Rachel Stern. Our guest was Florian Hartlib, and our sound engineer is Reese Edwards. I'm Rachel Loxton. We hope you enjoyed listening and we'll be back next week. Until then, take care. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.